0: You're
1: listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The
2: World at Five. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The British military's ability to sustain full war fighting capabilities has been significantly compromised, as reported to the UK Parliament. General Sir Nick Carter, former Chief of the Defense Staff, revealed that the British Armed Forces can only maintain their full capabilities for approximately two months in a conflict against an adversary of similar size. This limitation results from a hollowing out of the forces since 2010, as noted by General Lord Houghton. The Ministry of Defense acknowledged several gaps in warfighting readiness, including inadequate infrastructure for munitions storage, port and air base facilities, medical capacity, and support for armored vehicles. James Heapy, the Minister for the Armed Forces, admitted that while past cuts to the military were necessary, there is an urgent need to reinvest in areas that have been neglected. He recognized the significant work required to restore the readiness level that existed during the Cold War. Additionally, the military's readiness has been further strained by providing aid to Ukraine, with The Telegraph reporting that the 155th Artillery Regiment has effectively run out of guns after sending them to support Ukraine in its conflict with Russia. German leaders are reportedly worried that NATO might not endure if Donald Trump is reelected as U.S. President, as reported by The New York Times. Trump, who is leading the Republican presidential nomination race, has previously criticized NATO questioning its value and alleging that member countries do not contribute sufficiently. In a recent statement, Trump expressed doubt about NATO's reliability in supporting the U.S. if it were attacked. The concern in Germany and other European capitals revolves around the potential disintegration of NATO, a significant shift from the unity seen after Russia's military action against Ukraine in February 2022. Additionally, there's growing pessimism about the U.S. continuing to fund Ukraine's defense, particularly due to a stalemate in Congress over President Biden's proposed $60 billion aid package for Ukraine. This impasse is partly due to Republican demands for tighter controls on the U.S.-Mexican border in exchange for unblocking further defense aid to Ukraine and Israel. Australia recently participated in Exercise Keen Edge, a military exercise traditionally exclusive to the United States and Japan signaling the evolving nature of the AUKUS partnership. This exercise, held in Hawaii and mainland Japan, was designed to assess combat readiness in response to regional security challenges. Key objectives, including testing communication across various locations, enhancing interoperability of computer systems, and practicing command and control in dynamic situations. Chile is grappling with severe forest fires that erupted two days ago, predominantly impacting the central region. The blazes have been especially intense around viña del mar a prominent city known for its beach resort music festival the city's historic botanical garden established in 1931 was devastated by the fires in viña del mar and neighboring areas over 1600 people have lost their homes with 200 individuals reported missing amid the crisis the fires have trapped residents in several neighborhoods of the city's eastern edge leading to a significant number of casualties and missing persons as of Sunday, the death toll had escalated to 112, as reported by Chile's Forensic Medicine Service. Chilean President Gabriel Boric expressed concerns that the number of fatalities could increase further as rescue efforts continue and due to the critical condition of some hospitalized individuals. Governor Rodrigo Mundaca raised suspicions that some of the fires might have been set intentionally, a theory previously suggested by President Boric. The situation remains dire with ongoing efforts by firefighters and authorities to control the fires and manage their devastating consequences. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. This has been James O'Neill for TNT. From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT
0: shop has it all. Browse our shop now at TNTradio.live.
2: Speaking on the issues that impact, this is The Patrick Heddington Show on
0: all right, good morning, everyone. That's uh, five minutes past, and that was live from TNT Radio, and they're bang on time this morning. That's great, isn't it? Uh, four minutes rather past, is it? Oh, it must be getting pretty close to five. Let me check. Yes, yes, well, five, oh, five o'clock, anyway. I'm trying to be accurate. Okay, uh, you're right this morning, Digger? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. You're all right. Yeah, you sleep all right? Well, not too bad. Not too bad. I was, oh, you, you were snoring last night, did you know that? No, no, I don't snore, mate. No, I don't snore. You, you, I've, I've heard you snoring. No, 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 i 've never snored uh let 's look at the short forecast. shall we, all right, then all right, you a bit croaky folk this morning, Grant well, yes, I have actually
1: i've um i don 't know why i don 't know why, but it 's a wee bit croaky, bit croaky um you're cranky all right, yes, and also i 've noticed you 're starting to sound like me when you 're talking it 's not good because you know you would, you did all the elocution lessons when you 're young, and now you 're sort of... I suppose if we live in the same hut, when are we getting my cabin built too by the way i'm I'm getting a bit sick of you. Uh, well, you were farting last night. I don't know if you realise that. It's all that meat you eat. You say you need some proper food. You need some some potatoes and peas and carrots. That's what you need to compost properly in your stomach.
0: Well, um, I don't agree with that, but uh, well, well, we'll see. Let's look at the short forecasts, and we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, maybe after breakfast <laughs> when we come off here. Right? All right, mate. Uh, you yeah, I'll just do the weather. Okay. Weather. Uh, we've got um, extremes. You wouldn't believe the temperature, digger. It is um, Culverdon, 25.6 degrees in Culverden right now. Unbelievable, isn't it? Six minutes past, five in the morning, and we've got Culverden. Um, uh, that's in the South Island, isn't it? I don't even
1: know where that is. It's, isn't it? i pretty sure it is. I'd better go and have a quick look. you better do that. You're sounding a bit ignorant, mate. Sounding a bit ignorant. All right, I'll just have a quick look and tell people where it is. Um, we're not in a hurry this morning, are we?
0: No. No, not in a hurry. Culverden is in Canterbury. There we are. I thought it was. Yeah, there we are. Um, I wonder how many people live there. Uh, it, it's actually, um, oh, it provides 17,000 hectares of farmland, uh, and the Balmoral scheme provides irrigation of 5,500 hectares. How about that? Yeah, because they have to, they have special schemes, don't they, for water, which I don't really like. No, I don't like it. And you've got the Wa, um, the the Wa, Plains irrigation scheme that's there at Culverden, and the South Island, yes, or the mainland as they call it, don't they? Yes, the
1: mainland. I was born down there.
0: Right. Well, yeah, and you're North
1: Islander now, aren't you? Yeah. How do you like How do you like Wellington? Oh, it's all right. Yeah, it's a bit, you know, cramped. Uh, people dress a bit posh, really. Uh, when I I remember when I was young, uh, living in um, Wellington. Uh, the men would wear uh, waistcoats and, uh, yeah, waistcoats and, you know, look pretty smart and dapper. And then I got the train, you know, the all-night train to Auckland. Uh, you go around the spiral, stop at Ty Happy for a pie and a cigarette and, uh, well, of course then you're allowed to smoke on the trains but it was always nice to have a, a bit of social social time, have a fag, roll off smoke. And um, I can remember going up to... Uh, well, we stop at Taipi and then Hamilton, and and then you get up to um, oh, you know, Auckland, and because the dress code goes down the toilet, doesn't it? You know, they dress pretty casual up there, you know, thongs and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so no, I quite like Wellington. And didn't your family arrive in Wellington? Well, yeah, they did. Uh, they um they came to New Zealand
0: in eighteen forty nine. Um, I don't know what month or whatever, they came on a ship called the Larkin, which was actually a, uh, what do you call it, um, a, it was a convict ship, and I think it carried about 200, you know, about two, uh, around about 200 um, convicts. Uh, but, you know, when they packed on the, the people coming from Plymouth, I think they left from Plymouth, um, they they were, um, there was more of them, it was about 220, because there was actually more immigrants, well, not really immigrants, settlers we were, See, that's the thing, we're, we're not settlers. <laughs> our our descendants, um, our forebears aren't immigrants. You know, we didn't come here for the stuff, we came here to build. That's what settlers do, they come to build things, whereas immigrants come to, you know, they
1: come for your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't say, say things like that, you'll get in trouble. Uh, now listen, I was listening earlier this morning to Tucker Carlson, and uh, i actually made a clip. Uh, so how about um, sometime this morning, could you... Could we play that? What will be a good time when we most people are listening? Do you think? Um, well, probably, um, well, possibly
0: after six. But I mean, most people actually listen to us on the podcast. Um, and as far as you know, this program is concerned, uh, the music people are, oh, I guess, they would well any old time really, but they probably switch off anyway. But the yeah, the podcast, so you can find us at Liberty NZ. Uh, that's the podcast to search for that.
1: Um, we've got all the links though for for us if you want to do that. All right, and of yeah, you know, I like to hear that Tucker Carlson because he interviews that fellow from the—he's a surgeon general of uh, Florida. He's interviewing a mission black fella. Yeah, And and uh, he's—he's good. You got to hear that. It's about twelve minutes long. I made a clip for you. All
0: right, good on you, mate. You're getting quite good with the um. What sort of what program do you use now? I mean, I've been—I used to use. Uh, what do I use? I use just to let people know. when well, I—I use um, WonderShare. Fulmora. I find that quite good. Uh, have you? How, is that what you use? Yeah, I've been using that. It's quite good. Yeah, make little clips for you. Oh, that's good, mate. Because I'll tell you what, uh, I was, I was just about after yesterday's program. I almost felt like giving up, giving up doing this because I'm so far behind on the work. And you know, I know you can't do anything because you've got a crook back, haven't you? Yeah, I've got a crook back. Oh. <laughs> that's my excuse. All right, well, let's check out the weather. It is uh, 12 minutes past, and I've been sh- sh- shagging around here a bit, so I better get on to it. Yeah, better get on to it. Uh, okay, so extremes, Culverton, there's pretty warm there, so we know that's in the South Island, Canterbury, 25.6 at the moment. Palmerston North, 11.4, the windiest place right now is 41 kilometres per hour. And Lyle Bay, it's always windy there, Lyle Bay, isn't it? That's on the east coast, I think, isn't it? Lyle Bay? Is that near Lowry Bay? Oh, maybe not. Maybe it's down by the water, it must be. Breezy. Cook Strait, maybe. Not far from there. OK, Milford, 0.9 um, millimetres of rain, so it is pretty wet down the south, but I think it was, gosh, what a beautiful day it was yesterday for the whole of the North Island. Temperatures right across the country. Well, very good morning to the Stuart Islanders and the Chatham Islanders. 16 for Stuart, uh, named after Stuart, apparently, <laughs> according to uh, Wilson Dixon. And uh, we might play him a bit later on as well. I'd better write it down then, eh? I guess, I guess, yeah, cause Yeah, because you
1: keep saying that you're going to do things, you shall come back to that, and you never do. Hey, look, you just sounded... We're sounding like each other, aren't we? I notice that. Sort of, you slip up a bit and you start copying me. You're emulating me. You're mimicking me. You're, are you taking the mickey out of me?
0: No, no, I'm not taking the
1: mickey
0: out of me. It reminds me of a joke. Why don't you tell it? I will, I will do the, I'll just do this with that. Anyway, hello. Um, what have we got? Uh, Stewart Island, 16 degrees. And uh, yes, uh, the Chatham, 17 degrees. Invercargill's on 20. It's pretty warm, isn't it? It's pretty warm. Dunedin, uh, 21 degrees, Timaru's also 21 degrees, Queenstown, 18, it's a very warm day today, very warm indeed. Would it be the climate change, do you think, Digger? No, no. Uh, Timaru's 21, we got that. West Coast, 11 degrees for you, good morning, and uh, what have we got there? Westport, France Joseph's 11, uh, Westport is 12, Nelson's on 14, Blenheim 11 degrees, a wee bit cooler there this morning. Often is, but then it'll be warmed I bet you'll be getting close to 30 today. And we had temperatures like that, didn't we, in 1973. Do you remember those days? Yeah, oh, she's a cooker, mate. She's a stinker, we used to call her. <laughs> she's a stinker of a day. Yes, uh, that's right, we did. I can remember my Uncle Frank.
1: I remember, um, do you remember Uncle Frank? You've met him, haven't you? Yeah, I remember your Uncle Frank, yeah. And Lila, he used to say to her, I can remember one day, I was with Frank, and uh, he said... Um, to Lila. They stopped on Arapai Road, which is just south of Labin down there where we met. And um, of course, they're friends of the family, the Rolstons. And, and uh, so Frank was quite a character, you know, he's quite a motorcycle uh, racer. Used to race along the beach there at um, Hokio. And uh, what's the other beach? He Used to race along there, you know, races for the kids and stuff. And uh, he was just sixteen years old, and that's where he met Lila. Actually, I don't know. I think he went to church and met Lila at church there. And anyway, they were, I remember they were, they were along uh, Arapipoe Road, and um, Lila was um, talking to um, her daughter. I think it was. Um, well, I think it was Margaret. I think it was, and. Um, Anyway, there's a car coming, and Frank was there. He had the radio up to his ear, a little transistor radio, listening to sport. He probably listened to footy or something. And they're on their way shopping, and uh, he said, "Lila, draw your arse!" And there's a car coming. <laughs> oh, did he really? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a real character, but he's down to earth. But you know, we used to go along to church there, and I can remember. Well, I won't tell the story. I remember hearing the story about you sitting in church with Uncle Frank and uh, he, he gave you a hiding, didn't he? Just before you got in the car on the way to church because one day when you were in church, they were waiting before you went off to Sunday school and you were pretending to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> I do remember that.
0: I do remember that. Yeah, I was... Um, what was I doing? I had one of those toy cigarettes, you know, the ones you buy, the little lollies that you eat with the little red thing on the end. And I did. I I um I was
1: having a puff on that in church. And yes, right. And remember, he gave you gave all your kids a smack around the arse just before you got into the um, mark three. Yeah, mark three zodiac. And just before you got, it was mark three. a mark three years. It might have been a ziffer. Not sure. But he give you all a smack. And you say what? You say, what's that for, Uncle Frank? He said that's what you'll get if you misbehave again today in church. I do remember that. Yeah, he, he was good. I love my Uncle Frank. He
0: gave me such a hiding once. I rolled my eyes at Auntie Lila, and he whipped me across the legs with his belt. He took his belt off. That's what they used to do in those days. They'd use your belt. He didn't know what to do with me. Apparently, Murray said, this is my cousin Murray. He said, Uncle Frank, because when, when my parents had a car accident, not my parents, my, my brother and sister, rather, my parents sent us to, to live with our auntie on the farm there in Pai Road. We lived there for about, oh, three months, I think it was, Was my sister was in hospital, and um, uh, and he didn't know what to do with me. Uh, I was just very naughty, and that's what that's what could happen, you know. Um, you know, you think, oh, well is me, you know, what's happened to our family, because uh, my brother and sister were in this terrible car accident up in Reparoa. Yeah, I remember. It was a pretty, pretty bad
1: time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. We'll just, we'll finish off the North Island. Oh, yeah, look at the time here, yeah, 17 minutes past five, you better just, Better get
0: on with it. Okay, I'll get on with it. Now, uh, Wellington, 17 degrees, Masterton, 13. Yeah, it's a bit cooler there in Masterton, just like I've been saying all all year. Palmerston North, 15 degrees, so it's really warm in the South Island, and the North Island's cooled off a bit, so we're up around the, you know, almost 20 degrees in, in, on the east coast of the South Island. Uh, and at um, on the North Island it's, um, you know, sort of like 15, 16, ranging around there all the way up through to Auckland. Auckland um, Auckland's 15, Huangare is uh, 14 degrees, along with Kaitaia. So, yes, the warm places are, I mean, it's warmer in Palmerston North than it is in Kaitaia at the moment. Wellington, year 17, that's about the warmest in the whole of the South Island, down the bottom there, the beehive. Will. You mean the wasps' nest, where all the scum of the earth are. That's right, yeah, that, that's right, mate. And uh, further south, yeah, Invercargill twenty. That's incredible, isn't it? This time of the morning. All right, short forecast now. It's about telling me got on there, it's mucking around there. All right, uh, let's do that. A short forecast for all of the North Island, also Nelson and Buller. Generally fine with a few cloudy areas uh, this morning and evening. Uh, for Marlborough and Canterbury, you've got fine and hot with areas of high cloud. Westland, occasional rain. Uh, that's south of the Glaciers and. Uh, you've got fine weather and cloudy periods elsewhere for Otago and Southland mostly fine with high cloud and rain at times about Southland and Clutha In Fiordland there periods of rain uh, you've got heavy falls Chatham Islands fine weather apart from areas of morning cloud gosh that's a horrible thought then I hadn't switched the microphone off <laughs> I looked down if, if there's a red light glowing I know that it's uh, off and if it's a red light glowing a little red light on my on my what do you call it sound desk little tiny thing uh if it's Pushed the buttons pushed down, it's it, your red light glowing means that I'm off here and if it's not glowing, it's, it's all confusing, isn't it? All round the other way. All right, Chatham Islands, yes, you've got fine weather there, apart from cloudy periods this evening. The extended forecast for Wednesday uh, for the country, we can expect rain for Westland, Fiordland, Southland, Otago, generally fine elsewhere. On Thursday, rain for Westland, Buller, it's going to be easing though later in the day on Thursday. Uh, showers for Southland and Fiordland spreading up the east and South Island and reaching Wellington later on Thursday, mainly fine elsewhere. Looking ahead to Friday, uh, you've got showers about the eastern North Island, isolated early afternoon showers, uh, and then you've got um, Canterbury, Marlborough is all clearing. Mainly fine elsewhere on Friday. On the For the Chatham Islands, uh, well, Wednesday right through to Thursday, it's going to be northwesterly winds, um, then you've got showers with strong southwester change, going to change there with showers on Thursday. Shows are going to be clearing, though, and strong southwesterlies are going to ease on Friday. So that's the extended forecast for um, the whole of the Chatham Islands there. Uh, so, and, um, well, if you like talkback, well, the place to be would have to be TNT Radio. And uh, right now we've got Patrick Hennington, Show he's interviewing someone there. Does it say who it is? It doesn't seem to be telling us who it is. Um, I'm getting the hang of this, mate. I'm getting the hang of this, uh, this TV idea. So, yes, yeah, it's a bit of fun. Um, right, okay. So, now we will now that Tucker Carlson thing. I mean, I could play it now, I suppose, and then play it again, but it's 12 minutes long, isn't it, Digger? Yes, at least 12 minutes long. I think
1: I'll just check just a minute.
0: All right, you do that while I um have a look and see what else I can do
1: here. This should. Yeah, much. 12 minutes and 16 seconds.
0: OK. All right. Well, um, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's get into it. We'd better play our theme, hadn't we? Let's do our theme. Oh, yeah, let's do our theme. Hmm. Yes. Let's try and play it. Would you call yourself a socialist? Uh, no.
2: You've never told a lie in politics?
0: No, no.
2: See, somebody sent me a video actually last Friday and it had you talking at the Socialist Community School. Oh, yes, yes. And you mentioned the word comrade uh, about four times in a minute. What was that about? It was a rally and I am living about 25 years old. Comrade, 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 comrade. So comrade, 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 comrade.
0: That was in 2009. Oh, well, I can't remember which country it was in. Has <laughs> changed since those days?
1: No, not
2: particularly. No. If you are caught in a lie or caught intentionally misleading the New Zealand public, how would you expect to be held to account?
1: For well, I actually believe that it
0: is possible to exist in politics without lying. We drum in that messaging around the dangers of COVID pretty diligently for a full two-week period of sustained propaganda. Sustained propaganda. You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The
1: Wireless, The World at Five.
0: For great-looking T-shirts, hoodies and sweatshirts, the TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Right, it's 25 minutes past five. Very good morning to all of you. Why don't we look and see uh, what's happened on this day? It is the 6th, and I was all confused yesterday, wasn't I? You were. You were saying it was white tangy day today, yesterday. I know I was. I said a lot of th- stupid things yesterday. I think I was so tired because I had these three o'clock in the morning. I did two sessions of that, trying to get the playlist right. And uh, yesterday we were pretty much off air all day. We weren't live all day. We we, we played, um, just played some quite nice music. That John Mayer sort of stuff was playing it. Quite a few quite a few listeners actually listening to that, but there's in these gaps in there in between the music. Yeah, not not much to do with the gaps. Right, well let's have a look and see uh, this day. Now, was it, yeah... It was actually the 6th of February, and I know that. So I certainly wasn't firing on all fours yesterday, was I? No, you often don't. Uh, treaty of Waitangi, 6th of February 1840, not the 5th of February. More than 40 Maori chiefs, they signed a treaty with the British Crown in the Bay of Islands on this day. Uh, the Treaty of Waitangi remains controversial. A week earlier, Captain Hobson, uh, William Hobson had landed at uh, Russell. Uh, they've called, The Maori's called it Kauru
1: No, they pronounce it differently, mate. It's... Oh, gosh, I'm struggling myself. Uh, Korirareka, that's how they
0: say it. Oh, yeah, but um, I don't do my vowels. I don't do oars for a vowel for no. I go, oh, so it'd be koriraka. Koriraka. (laughs) That's how I'd say it. Anyway, it's Russell. We all know it as Russell, and that's what it's called um, because we are a British... um, we, uh, we, I was going to say we're a colony. No, we're not. We are a constitutional monarchy. We are not a uh, under tribal rule yet. Uh, now, uh, so they landed at Russell with HMS Herald and proclaimed, he proclaimed, apparently, I don't like the way this is written, actually. This is very derogatory to, towards the British, the British settlers, the people that came here. Well, that was before the settlers, wasn't it? Um, 1840. Um, now, when did, now, let's see, my parents, the, my, my forebears, where I was born, came here in 1849, but in 1842, uh, my great-great-grandfather's son to his first wife, who died in childbirth, I think, I'm not sure, can't remember. Anyway, I don't know, they got sick of those days and didn't know what to do. Don't know if they had very many homeopaths around. Well, they did, actually, but I don't know if they were very well accepted in the UK uh, at that time. Not sure. Uh, Let's see, and so 1842, he came out, and then he wrote a letter back, to my um, great grandfather Robert, and he said, um, it's fantastic over here. You got to come over. This there's you know land, land, and you know just a very prosperous place. Good weather," he said. And that he was in Wellington, I think, and he said, "Come, come, you'll love it." And that letter was actually published in the news. I think it was called the New Zealand Gazette, published in London, and uh, that so that would have been you know part of the promotion, I suppose, to promote uh, people living in the UK. In uh, the United Kingdom to, to to sail to set off on a five month journey, a perilous journey, really, on a 550 ton uh, former convict ship they came on, the Larkin. And um, yeah, I, I don't know if it would have been all that much fun, you know, with the wife and kids. And oh, I suppose you get used to it. They'd be seafarers when they got off. Apparently it was horrible. Uh, they were supposed to go to H- Nelson. I think it was Nelson. But they ended up just, they just wanted off that ship and they got off in Wellington and probably took one look at Wellington and thought, oh, this is all right. So we go there. So, yeah, we settled in Wellington. and So that's my hometown, really, isn't it? That's where we come. That's where our roots are from. And we didn't move far from there, you know, up the the road to live in. And it was only because my sister, we lived in Upper Hutt there. Dad had a place in Upper Hutt after the war, which he built. And um, he, um, yeah, it was kind of swampy, I think, Upper Hut. And uh, and the doctor said the best place would be just to move out of Upper Hutt, I think, for her. And it would have been the vaccines that would have um, caused that. Uh, childhood vaccines for her and i'm i 'm saying the word vaccine now all and even though even though i 'm on facebook it'll be very interesting actually to see if uh, they do anything I get as soon as I say anything I think it 's just the AI on YouTube just to, takes it down but i 've noticed that Tucker Carlson had the sh- Surgeon General of Florida. Uh, that's what you were telling me uh, earlier, Digger. And uh, he was talking away there on YouTube. He's you know, got a YouTube channel, so he's obviously got some deal with YouTube, uh, some something there that he's got going that he can actually talk like that, speak like that without being taken down. So obviously, it's just us plebs uh, that aren't allowed to, and they don't even they don't even respond to you. It's all just done with AI, artificial intelligence. You know, just picks up the words and, and deletes it. And so he's obviously got some deal going with uh, with uh, YouTube, that he can do that. But the rest of us have all been silenced. And that's what they want to do, silence the rest of us. 27 minutes past five. And so here we are. We're looking at what happened on this day in history. Uh, And I don't like the way this is written. Um, So it says here, a week earlier, Captain William Hobson had landed at, And I'm telling you, it's Russell uh, with HMS Herald and proclaimed himself Lieutenant Governor of the Colony. Um, okay, well, so so you say that's how it's written. Um, his instructions from the Colonial Office in London, uh, which was a good thing. The Colonial Office was actually a very good thing. They put a stop to a lot of this uh, shenanigans going on with land sales. Uh, I think for the New Zealand Company, they were a bit dodgy, and they put a stop to it. So they weren't as bad. The the um, Colonial Office were pretty good. I think the I think the New Zealand Company ended up pretty much going broke. I think eighteen uh, I think it's about late eighteen forties. Uh, because the colonial office, they put a, a, lot, a stop to a lot of those things. So the colonial office, but the word colonial, you know, the people think that's just, you know, that's been. Touted as a really bad thing it 's a bit like saying ignorant is bad you know saying i'm ignorant that you're ignorant you 're ignorant if you said you're an ignorant person that's different I suppose that's derogatory, but to be ignorant just means that you are unaware of something it 's not a bad word really but there's a lot of words that have been changed the meaning we change the meanings of the word a bit like gay you know gay, gay used to mean just bright clothes and you know, um, bright clothing, cheerful. You know, the the gay fellow or uh, woman and the gay clothing. You know, just flash, flash outfit. Now it means you are a homosexual. And uh, what other words? Oh, they've taken the word. What else have they taken? Another word, um, hero. Well, a hero was people like you know uh, our parents that fought in the Second World War. Um, and, and you know, that's those are heroes. Those people are heroic. Um, coming out of the closet, if you are a homo, that's not that's not. There's nothing heroic about that. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous how, um, how weak and uh, feminised uh, males have become all over the world, you know, just you know, to be to say, Oh, I've come out. That's what they do say that. They say, I've come out, I've come out, I'm gay. That's right, they do. And um, uh, there's nothing heroic about it anyway. Our colonial office, that was in London. And they were to seek Maori consent... To British sovereignty. Now, this didn't happen, uh, you know, in the weeks leading up. This this happened after 1835, if the truth be known. Um, that treaty was written. Uh, it was mused upon. It was. It would have had to be taken up and down the country. Uh, would have been by ship, uh, overland as well, and they would have been looking at it and studying it. And it would have taken quite a few years, actually. Uh, To get them to get the chiefs, and it wasn't just a few of them. You know, there was the people came from they came from all over. Um, But anyway, they were there on the sixth, and you know, it wasn't just written uh, on the herald. You know, in the in the uh, stateroom there at the night before. Uh, this was something that was uh, written after the eighteen thirty five declaration, which didn't really do anything for for Maori. They were still killing and eating one another. They were more frightened, I think. I think the French. They were a bit terrified of the French. They had the um, up at Assassination Cove. Uh, up there, had problems up there. You know, with the French, the French didn't take any nonsense uh, from the Maoris at all. Um, you know, for just one Frenchman, uh, I think they would kill. They would kill ten Maoris for every Frenchman. <laughs> that, that's that was their their deal. So they played for keeps the French, and the Maoris they knew that they wanted. Uh, they wanted the the British Crown. That's who they wanted, and but they they knew then that they would come under the law. They'd be safe from other Maori that were wanting to eat them. And you know there were no tigers here then, so you know they had fortresses. You know they have spikes all around them. You know fortresses and uh, uh, trench warfare. They invented, I think, trench warfare the Maori, and so pretty good, pretty good warriors. And we see that today, don't we? With you know people like, um, uh, what's his name? they got won the uh, won the cross. Um, uh, the name's gone out of my head there, but it'll come back. And um, Apiata, that's his name. Yeah, You know, hes he is a hero. Uh, he's a hero, that man there. Um, he was in Afghanistan, I think. Uh, yeah, real, and, and just a, a very brave man. I think one of the most respected people of in our time, in our country, he would be one of the most respected New Zealanders, would be um, Apiata. Just, uh, just great. I'd love to hear more from him. He's very quiet sort of a person. I don't know if he does too much public speaking. Um, I don't know. It would have been good if he'd um, entered into maybe, I don't know, didn't want to enter into politics. Probably those are the sorts of people you want in politics, people that don't want to be politicians. You know, that's that's what I like about NZ Loyal. There's people there that they are very reluctant. They don't want to be politicians, but they want to do the right thing for our country. And then go back to their farms and back to their trades, uh, back to their professions that type of thing, people that really love our country, and that's why I, I'm fully behind NZ Loyal and will continue to support NZ Loyal uh, with the leader of that party being Liz Gunn, whom I respect. Uh, anyway, getting back to what happened on this day up there at um, the Treaty of... Wa- the Waitangi Treaty at Waitangi on the grounds there. Now, there were... The Maori, they did... They were, They. Um, what happened here? They did the, the draft document. That was going on for years. Uh, the document is... Um, uh, to present the, to a hui, which is a meeting of prominent Māori, uh, especially those who had signed the 1835 Declaration of Independence. And you can see well, that happened, uh, I think they've got that on, I think it was the 28th of October. I'm not sure when that was. don't know if it was on that particular, you know, just a few months before, but I don't think, and I'm pretty sure from the research that I've done, it was more than just a few weeks or a month. It wasn't written the night before, that's for sure, in 1840. It was, uh, there was, this was something that, that Maori were wanting for a long time. Missionary Henry Williams, Henry Williams, and his son, translated the English draft into Maori on the night of 4th of February. I find that a bit difficult to fully believe in actual fact. Um, There were plenty of Māori around in 1840 that spoke pretty good English and uh, had a good grasp of the written word as well, and that we can thank the um, missionary schools for that. Uh, So anyway, this is what they say. Uh, These three clauses, only three clauses, most of us haven't read it. If you just go and read the Treaty of Waitangi, just go and read it there in plain English, King's English, um, it's pretty clear. Uh, really, if you just follow, follow. If, you, if your terms of reference are the the Oxford Dictionary or the Cambridge Dictionary, well, uh, it's pretty clear. Mary ceded the sovereignty to the crown, to the king, to the queen, whoever, and all the descendants. So uh, this is what it says here. That uh, so Williams and his son they translated the English draft into Mary on the night of the fourth of February, just two nights before. These three clauses transferred tanga, uh I think is it. How you say it? Ka, Kawanatanga, kawana which means governorship. So they transferred governorship from the Confederation and individual chiefs to Queen Victoria. Uh, well, it's to the Crown, actually, uh, and who descended, Guaranteed Māori continued possession of their taonga, which is of their property, that's that they were using, with the right to sell land to the Crown, should they wish. And granted Mary the rights and privileges of British subjects, well, that's fairly right, and that's what they wanted. They wanted they wanted to be, to come under the, the security of the, the same that the, that the settlers had, not immigrants, we weren't immigrants, we were settlers. and we had the same uh, rights and privileges and protections under the law, and that's what they wanted because uh, they were many of them lived in absolute fear and my friend Bobby Moika from where's he from. I notice pronounce his weird name properly because he's your friend, I suppose. Wow, well, I don't know, just got used to it. Uh, so Bobby said he was from the Cooks, Rarotonga, and he said you know um, his the stories that he's heard because he would be he would be in his sixties now. He said the stories he's heard from his uh, grand grandparents uh, they just lived in absolute fear, fear of being eaten. This is in the Cooks, and so yeah, pretty savage. It was until Christianity came to Protestant Christianity, because the the Catholics they were only interested in you know everything was everything was in Latin, you know, and they were just little prayer books and you know and all this physical stuff, you know, uh, but no no real spirit, no knowledge, you know, no no giving people the words of God. That was the thing that was missing, and so that's what the Protestants did. They knew that uh, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and so that's what they did. And the, it, the transformation of um, the islanders and also the um the maori was phenomenal they were the the greatest missionaries new zealand has ever seen they traveled right throughout new zealand and uh the islands uh we've got um just one in particular who i actually became a christian in 1969 listening to uh, uh, brother john comany who's now with the lord john comany is uh, before he passed away was a, a maori kaumatua. And he, yeah, I, I became a Christian. I was saved. I heard his, I heard the message. I think it was it was in a Second Peter or First. I can never remember First or Second Peter, chapter three, talking about the, um, you know, when um, after a thousand years, what God is going to do to this earth. He's going to destroy it with fire. So the last time, three and a half thousand years ago, it was destroyed by the worldwide flood. The entire world, because people think we live on a spinning globe, and they find that difficult to believe. But when when you find out the truth, which has been hidden from us. From um, the God of this world, which is Satan, that he's hiding the truth of uh, the shape of our Earth and how we live and where we live. It's important to know what you live on because that's actually hiding. He's trying to hide God from us. That's what he's trying to do and make out that he's fi- you know there is no God and that we just live you know millions of years and you know evolve from, from um, you know evolution is the answer. But evolution isn't the answer. From where did life begin? Is it the answer? to where did life begin, is, well, um, you either came from, well, this is the question, you either came from nothing or you came from something. And it's reasonable to believe that we came from something. And the cutting edge in science is that uh, everything that is around us, all things, came from a self-existing life force. That's, that's the cutting edge in science now. They believe that. They, they know that it's unreasonable, and it defies sort of uh, metaphysics. For every effect, there must be a cause. Um, and, you know, it's just logic, really. But o- often we jettison logic, don't we? And we listen to parroted demonic stuff, you know, that from the uh, from the atheists, people that are actually, you know, they could be devil-possessed. I don't know. They could be. I don't know. Um, and so we just sort of throw that out the window. But people really... Uh, need to start thinking, start to use, you know, start to muse things over. Instead of being amused with sport, we need to muse, start thinking. A means anti or non, so amuse is non-think. But we need to muse, muse it over, a bit like they did with this treaty here. They would have been musing it over well before they signed the treaty. Anyway, so let's get back to it. So on the morning of the 5th of February, about 500 Māori, uh, so that would have been yesterday in eighteen forty. Uh, Five hundred Maori, Hobsons and his, um, um, you know, that, uh, all the Europeans there. They gathered on the lawn uh, in front of the British resident of James James Busby's house in Waitangi, and and uh, after Hobson spoke in English, Henry Williams explained in Maori, and uh, that the treaty was an act of love by the Queen. And it certainly was. And Bushby emphasised that it protected land rights. Well, it's more than land rights. It protected Maori. I mean, the, I mean, really, it's about it protected them from being flippin', fl- fl- killed and eaten by, the, by their uh, warring tribes, which they call iwi. Uh, much of the subsequent uh, kōrero, no, I don't. Know what's that? Translated for Hobson by the missionaries favoured the status quo with with missionaries rather than a governor as protectors of Maori this is what it says some chiefs also foresaw the loss of their land the tide was turned by two influential rangatira with uh, Tamati Waka Nini declaring it it was too late to stop uh, what he called Pakeha uh, the British arriving and Hone Heke Pōkai advocating a covenant between Māori and the Queen. Informal debate continued that evening. Hobson had announced that the Hui, which is a meeting, would reconvene, reconvene on the 7th of February, but many chiefs were eager to leave for home. When they assembled outside, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> they liked to hang around. I don't know. I, I, I'm reading this, you know, and, you know, and I know that it's actually slanted. Uh, because there's plenty of books out there which, which we can read, which have a, a totally different, and, you know, and a lot of, you know, oh, very interesting. It's, um, they're re, what would you call it? They're sort of representing history. They're revising history, and they're making it sound like, um, like it was all so bad, you know, us coming to New Zealand here. But it was what Maori wanted. It was what prominent thinking Maori wanted, because they wanted what we had. They wanted to, to come out of the Dark Ages into civilization, And they're trying to pretend that this was just some um, Edenic, um, you know, like the Garden of Eden, like, like, like that's what it was like here. But it was, um, it was a shithole. Uh, it wasn't a nice place at all. It was a place of fear and death and, um, you know, just uh, uh, revolting really. And the gospel actually changed lives. It changed hearts and minds, and it just swept through this country. And that changed New Zealand more than, more than any laws, more than the treaty. It was the gospel. It was those words on the pages of that. It would have been a King James Bible. Every ship, every British ship had a King James Bible on it. And those were the words that were transformed, transforming people. Many young Maori knew how to read and write in English, better than me, better than we many of us do today. Um, for one, I spoke of him yesterday, and that was Tarapraha's son, the cannibal war chief, Tarapraha. Apparently he had six toes on his feet. Very interesting. Uh, but Tamihana, Hana, he, uh, was uh, he's written, you want to go and read some of his books, And um, you know and he lived really just like a British person there. I think he had a, quite a big farm. Uh, servants, he had um, British servants uh, looking after things because he wanted things done the right way. I suppose uh, you would think that he would employ his own people, but he didn't. Um, but there he is. You know, he had. Well, he, uh, you know, uh, the British were servants to this Maori, um, and um, if you see photographs of him he just looks like an English gent. And um, so he's one of my heroes, I would say, as far as in the faith is concerned. That would be a Tamihana Tarapraha. So anyway, so now we're getting down here now on the September. The uh, yeah, by September 1840, another 500 Maori had signed one of nine copies of the treaty, and British sovereignty over to, of the whole country had been declared. So there we are. So we are now a constitutional monarchy, and uh, we're part of the Commonwealth. And that's how we live. And, of course, the communists, they are getting in there and with some of the Maori, they're, they're falling for their, uh, their Marxism. Uh, part of it is to get the – they want the indigenous people. Are they doing it with every country in the world that has uh, so-called indigenous people living there because we all came from the, the Middle East. Everybody came from the Middle East. no real indigenous people. <laughs> the only real indigenous people would be the Jews, I would think, in Israel. They are indigenous to the land. Out there, so the Middle Eastern people—they would be the ones there. Uh, and oh, I suppose Adam in the Garden of Eden—he would have been indigenous, wouldn't he? He's about the only true uh, indigenous person. The rest of us are all migrants, <laughs> settlers, and migrants. So that's uh, that's how we just travelled by ship, and we've been travelling by ship. A uh, Solomon, Solomon, and Hiram—I uh, think—is uh, Haram or oh, I can't remember—is that his name? He was the king of Assyria at the time, and they had a, a uh, what would you call it, a navy of a thousand ships, and they sent them out on three-year voyages, and they were round, around, the, around the flat earth, it would have been. <laughs> that's how they sailed, right round, just like a merry-go-round, just like a pizza. They can sail around from east to west, it's just the same. Right round, Captain Cook sailed for 60,000 nautical miles, could never find an inlet in, in Antarctica. All that's in Antarctica is a 100, 150-foot Wall. That's why when General uh, Colonel Bird, uh, Richard E. Bird, when he was, in, I think he'd been going there since nineteen twenties, nineteen twenty four, something like that. I think his last one was in the late nineteen fifties, and uh, it was called Operation High Jump because the only way you can get uh, on and in, down into Antarctica, and it's really out, isn't it, out to Antarctica. The only way you can get there. Is to fly in or go by go by ship. He went. He took an aircraft carrier because he knew you just couldn't. There was no inlets there because of the ice wall, which holds the oceans in. So we don't. That's why we don't fall off the. They always slander the flat earthers. We, we you know, they say, um, uh, you know, or the ship falling off the off the end of the earth. You know, frightened to fall off the end of the earth. Uh, no, there's an ice wall, and you know, Cook, if he sailed for th- um, three years, uh, covering sixty thousand nautical miles. Well, that would, uh, that would uh, prove the, the flat Earth theory, wouldn't it? That um, the Earth is not uh, a, a 24,000 miles at the circumference, you know, at the equator. In fact, if you went round the equator, it would be less than 60,000 nautical miles, but that would be around about the outside, three years, so really. So, you know, even Cook, I mean, uh, yeah, everyone, everyone believed the Earth was flat, and you know what, I think they were right. <laughs> I think... I think they were right. We were, t- we were sold this satanic lie that we live on a spinning ball and that we're just one little planet and there's millions of planets that are millions of light years out there and they say the sun is, you know, sort of, um, I forget how many thousands of miles away it is and the moon is as well, but in actual fact they're all flying, they're all circulating in the terrarium. They're going around us. We're stationary That's, and they're going around us. Uh, in the terrarium. And, uh, you know, if you ever st- go and look up, uh, study a terrarium, I've actually, built, I've actually got one now. I've actually, um, uh, I'm going to do a big one, actually, as a feature. And I'm also going to do it. On one of the dams, on my, on my plan is to uh, do, a, um, uh, do the symbol of the United Nations, which is they have the flat earth. That's their symbol. Interesting, isn't it? They, it's almost like they know. <laughs> well, someone there knows. Why do they have the flat earth? Why do they have Gleason's map? As their logo, the United Nations. I find that interesting. Um, so, you know I want to do one on one of the dams, you know, in fact, if you go to our Facebook page, Liberty NZ, you can see the ducks up there. The little we've got these Indian runner ducks, and I like to do a flat Earth thing there because when you drive in, uh, you could look down on that, and you could actually, um, yes, yeah, so I want to recreate that if I can because it's almost circular. That uh, particular dam, I call it a pond, but it's really a it's a dam. It's there. It's actually just a, uh, feeds um, part of the farm. We've got about eight dams. On the whole property, anyway, uh, I digress, which I do, don't I? You
1: do. You're always going off on the subject and going, you know, like people want to get get on, just get on with and read the stuff that they, they don't. All right, oh, let's do that. Uh,
0: and time is uh, 13 minutes away from six o'clock, and we'll be back to TNT Radio News at six as well. And so there we are. So by S- September the um, uh, 1840, the same year. Uh, earlier, rather, they, uh, another 500 chiefs, ha- chiefs had... Uh, oh, no, that was uh, yeah, after the Treaty of Waitangi. So earlier, later on in the year, I should say, 1840, 500 Māoris had signed one of the nine copies of the treaty, and the British sovereignty was all had, of the whole country. There it's done. OK, and I don't think there's anything else that happened on this day. And, uh, by the way... Oh, yes, there is. In 1871, the first public girls' secondary school, the first public uh, school for girls in the southern hemisphere was Otago Girls High School and it was uh, it started on this day in eighteen seventy one, uh high school which opened eight years after the public the the uh, local public boys high school uh that was Otago Boys. Um also on this day um the eighteen in eighteen nineteen rather nineteen forty seven the liner Wanganella refloated in Wellington Harbour. The liner carrying four hundred passengers it struck Barrett Reef in Wellington Harbour on the 19th of January. Only an unusually long spell of calm weather, dubbed the Wanganella weather, weather, by locals, saved it from becoming a total wreck. And there's a photograph there of it. And I'm looking at this from nzhistory.gov.nz. There's a photograph of it there. and have got the tugs around it. It's all a bit different back then so that was in 1947 after the war 2 years after the war okay uh, let's uh, let's move right along so uh, yeah let's, here's Joe Rogan Joe Rogan he predicts that Biden will step down did you know that if i had a guess
2: Biden steps down due to a variety of reasons health reasons age he can't do it anymore and then the corruption The massive amounts, of it depends on how far the Republicans pursue this and how much traction they get, but the massive amount of corruption that's available. I feel like if this was Trump that was in office, every single newspaper would be talking about it nonstop. They'd be screaming for him to be removed from office.
1: I don't disagree. Uh, I don't disagree. How they get away with it now when you're hearing everybody from the other say how they're weaponizing the justice system to eliminate a candidate. Uh, I don't know if you're following what Vivek said yesterday. He came out and says, look, I want to compete against Trump, but not by using something like this and what they're doing on the other side. All I'm saying is if Newsom shows that he's being respectful of Biden, because what is your theory of why DeSantis is not having momentum? What do you think about when you think about DeSantis? Trump. He
2: doesn't have the
0: personality. I, don't, I just don't think he can compete with Trump. There you go. And, of course, DeSantis is out, isn't he? A week or so ago, he's out altogether. Uh, Okay, so after six, we're going to hear from uh, Tucker Carlson. He seems to be able to put stuff up on YouTube that we can't. And he's speaking to the Surgeon General of Florida. And uh, also, oh, uh, yeah, now, yesterday I said uh, that I was going to put up the Dennis Hall, he's one of the best sculptors, I think, in the world. He's one of the greatest artists New Zealand's ever seen, except he was basically shunned by the, um, the Arts Council of New Zealand uh, in favour of Maori art. They wanted him. He's done all this wonderful stuff. He did the shearer. Uh, I think you go through Tikawiti, the Tikawiti shearer. He's done a lot of works as well. And, but now, of course, uh, and I think his brother as well is, is an artist as well, and he, he, he's into trouble. He gets into trouble as well because he does a lot of very good uh, art, and um, I think he makes a lot of money. He sells it all over the world. That's his brother. But Dennis Hall, one of the best, uh, he's a balloonist. Uh, he did the balloon festival down in Levin because it's a great place to fly balloons. Dennis is in his early 80s now and uh, still going strong. And uh, what a great artist he is. And now I think Dennis lives in uh, on the North Shore in Auckland. And so if you go over to our Lib- uh, the Liberty NZ Facebook page, uh, it's public. You can see there's a video there that Television New Zealand did uh, they filmed Dennis interviewing Rob Muldoon, and I, th- I can't remember how many sessions it was, but I think it was five and a half hours of filming, and then they made it into about a 24-minute uh, sort of a, a program of this incredible interview, just the, just, re- just, a conversation with two men, uh, Muldoon sitting there very relaxed, and uh, while Dennis was talking to him, asking him questions, talking about communism and all that sort of stuff, and listening to he- and to hear uh, Muldoon's responses was great. And while Dennis did something he'd never done before, and that is a bust of um, of a- anyone, he's very good at a very good artist, a very good at sculptor. He underrates himself. I don't think he realises just how good he is. Uh, but he's done some marvelous stuff, and he's a wonderful character. He does a lot of writing. He writes for um, New Zealand Centre for Political Research, and also uh, Leighton Smith actually read out one of his pieces and uh, commented to the person that runs. Um, New Zealand Centre for Political Research, uh, I can't remember, Muriel M- 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 Newman, he had her on the show and uh, talking to her uh, on his podcast, interviewing her, and he said, now, Dennis Hall, and he actually mentioned it, and a lot of it was edited, I noticed, as well, uh, because and because he had to, uh, but he, li- he followed Dennis Hall's writing while he was writing. For uh, New Zealand Centre for political search if you're not a, um, if you 're not part of that uh, Facebook group, you should join it uh, in, because' they 're very good. I think Muriel Newman is a former politician, and uh, I think her husband's involved in that as well i 'm not sure uh, they don 't sort of accept my stuff If I write something about Maori, they always accept it. If I write other things you know uh, you know anything to do with um, you know what 's going on which, which is what we 're going to hear from Tucker Carlson after six o 'clock news. Um, uh, they won't publish it. Uh, so, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty slanted, pretty pretty uh, brainwashed by the media, I would think, in some areas. Um, but they, they, if I, I, could, I could write something, anything about Maori, about um, and they'll put it up there, but any, that's all they'll do. It almost makes me think they're perhaps a bit racist, the New Zealand Centre for Political Research. Why is that? They'll just put stuff up there uh, without, um, without batting an eyelid. But... They won't put other things uh, on their. They just don't put them on. They, they, um, whoever it is that does their page, uh, just rejects my stuff. So I've given up. I don't even bother looking at it anymore. But um, uh, that's the um, New Zealand Centre for Political Search. I suppose it's all right. I mean, I'm being a Gemini in two minds. Really, I can think of both sides of of the of the argument, and that's really important. I think to be able to think of both sides. Of any argument, I think there was Robert Anderson. One of his famous quotes: He was um, Assistant Commissioner of Scotland Yard, wrote the book *The Coming Prince*, and he said, "What is to be said for the other side?" And being a detective and a lawyer, uh, a scholar, really—that's um, right. You've got to—you've got—you've got to be able to. And when uh, when we were lear- when um, when we were being taught uh, at well, when I was, i was had some. I've had some good teachers actually. And one of them said, "You've got to be able to know the argument. You've got to know, like, for example, you've got to know the uh, your who, who it is you're debating, or who whoever who it is you've got to know the subject so well that you could actually uh, debate debate it and win win a debate by uh, you know an argument in other words. Because we're told that arguing is bad, isn't we? But arguing is good, argumentum, and not ad hominem." Uh, not just you know, not attacking the messenger, but arguing. Argumentum it's Latin. Uh, it's a good thing to argue. It's debate. Same thing. Debating and arguing. People say, "Oh, no, we're looking at an argument," because they, the communists that have infiltrated our school system, they're brainwashing children that to argue about things is a bad thing, and it's not. You've just got to know the rules of arguing. You know, we don't attack the messenger. We don't change the subject. Uh, we address the subject and we do our research and we debate, we argue, and that's how great empires have been built.